1: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: You're listening to the Design Build Hunt podcast presented by Whitetail Partners. Here we cover all things whitetail property design, habitat improvement, and hunting strategy. Let's change your property for good. Welcome back to another episode of the Design Build Hunt podcast presented by Whitetail Partners. I've got the whole crew on the line with me today, Greg from Ohio, Jake from Michigan, Lee from Tennessee, Sam in Wisconsin, and I'm your host, Josh Rayley. Uh, we are going to do another parcel breakdown where we are looking at one of our designs that we have delivered to a client and break down for you the basic concepts and the pieces and, and what makes this design work for this piece of property. We emphasized it last time that we did a design breakdown, that it's very, very important to understand that these are not one size fits all kind of uh, pieces or parts that you can just take to your property. Just because you see a 60 or 70 acre tract that lays out uh, similar to yours does not mean that you can copy and paste this plan and it is going to work the same. There's a lot that goes into putting the pieces where we do. What we wanna show you with this is uh, kind of the the recipe, our thought process, our approach to habitat design, rather than tell you, hey, this is exactly what you should be doing on your property if your property looks similar. So today, Greg is going to be walking us through one of his properties there in, is this one in Ohio, Greg?
0: Uh, yeah, this one's in Ohio.
2: This one's in Ohio. Okay. So one of your properties in Ohio that you've helped a a client with,
0: was this this past, just this past
2: year, Correct.
0: Yeah, I did. So I went up to the property. It would have been in January of 23. So we're coming up on a year now.
2: Coming up on a year, uh, post, um, post design, let's say. So what made you select this design as the one that you wanted to kind of showcase and highlight first?
0: Uh, I've had a really active relationship with this landowner since I put boots on the ground. Um, he's stayed really consistent with the communication pretty much step-by-step step through the process, whether it be with me or when we were getting ready to do the planting. We had three-way texts and calls with the seed supplier and right down to the equipment he was getting for everything. He was very detail-oriented when he was starting to put the plan together. Uh, and then the other unique aspect of this plan is that it's going to be a multi-year thing and we knew that going into it Uh, the thing that we were focused on when i went there last january was bringing food back onto the property because it was lacking this was a permission piece that the that he ended up buying and now that he owns it he was able to bring that food back so our main goal The first time around was to bring that food back into the property and really start to influence travel, how we want the deer to move through the piece. And then I'm going to actually be headed back up there and we're going to kind of develop things a little bit further, but it just made the most sense after talking to him to kind of take it in a year by year approach for the first couple of years. Um, That way it's like more bite sized pieces rather than one big overwhelming thing, trying to take 120 acres and turning it into this, this great deer habitat. We're kind of piecing it apart little by little. So this plan will be a little bit more developed here in the next couple of months, once I make it back up to the property.
2: Right. And that's a, that's a really important piece. I think, um, you know, I've had a client. You know you hand them the design, and they just look at you and it's like, "Wow, how am I ever gonna get all of this done? like this is a lot of work And they're right. it is a lot of work. If you fully execute one of these designs, it is a lot of a lot of sweat, a lot of work goes into this um but like you said we we prioritize that for you. We give you a priority list and it matches whatever what it is you're going for for this one, for instance, it was the food, like you're saying so um before we get too far into it if you're just listening to this and you haven't watched our YouTube channel yet, you can go over to our YouTube channel, grab the video for this episode, and you're going to be able to see it and follow along with us. We got some feedback that I saw. We'll try to do a little better job of explaining, you know, this line means this or this spot means this. So, uh, guys, will you try to keep me accountable to that so I can make sure that you know, we're, we're, uh, we're pointing folks in the right direction and fully explaining some different pieces. But if you're just listening along, you're going to have a little harder time keeping up with it, but we'll do our very best to uh, try to keep the conversation as, uh, almost said explicit, we'll try to keep it, the conversation as uh, explanatory as we possibly can so that we can bring you along. So, Greg, to begin with. Tell me about the size of the property, the orientation of the property, and maybe some of the big picture topography things that you had to work with on this, on this piece of ground.
0: Yep. So we'll start with the orientation, you know, just as the screen shows. So we have north up here. um, So the main property was a rectangular shape running east to west and altogether it was 120 acres. What was interesting about this, as you see when I kind of zoom in a little bit here, it's split right in the middle. So it's pretty close to 60 on each side. So with having that road through the center of the property, that kind of added an element where we were almost designing two different parcels in one, um, it, cause it was pretty difficult to kind of connect the deer travel from one side to the other, because this was in very, steep elevation change so it doesn't really make sense for deer to naturally flow from this hilltop all across the road to the other hilltop not saying that you can't have the same deer on each side of the road it just if they're going to spend time it'll take them a couple days to kind of do a loop to get from the west side to the east side of the road and vice versa the the property Uh, like I was mentioning, it didn't have any food on it when he bought it. All of the open fields were old cattle pastures that were regrowth, and then some of it was being uh, farmed in hay. And there are a few surrounding properties, both to the north and south, that have implemented quite a bit of food over the last couple of years. And once that happened, he his deer numbers when he still had just permission on it went way down. He wasn't seeing a lot of deer and he knew that was why. So our main goal last year was to bring in that food, which is what you can see here. There's, there's a lot of food that got put in here.
2: Right. So uh, I'm curious and other guys, you can, you can chip in on this as well, if you've got thoughts on it, but as I'm looking at this road, kind of cutting it in the middle, Mm -hmm. um, what are your guys thoughts on a property that does that? Like if we've got somebody who's considering buying a property, with a road that cuts right through the middle, or or me personally. So next week I'm gonna be out on a property and it's got three roads. It's a little bit of a larger property, but it has three main highways essentially that cut through the property. So I'm curious to hear what you guys think about it. Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing?
3: Josh, I'll jump on that and say, I like to see a fair amount of road access along edges. One of the plans I introduced last time had a road on the west side of the property. And it was, it's very helpful to have roadside stands and access to that. So I would say, look at this. And yeah, you might say it's essentially two 60-acre properties, but it is 120 acres of high-quality deer habitat that there will be some migration from, you know, west to east throughout it. Uh, but back to the question of roads, I, I like them. Uh, on a few different sides to have access, I think that can be very, very effective to have access for your stance.
2: Okay. So not a reason you would steer away from a property. Jake, what do you got?
4: Now I'll uh, kind of go to the uh, next point that like with uh, with that road that splits it in, in two, really like what, the way I look at it is you just got to control what you can control. And with that, like it, just kinda, it is what it is at this point. And you just got to make it a positive. And one thing that I really like what Greg did here. Is he's he has two different movement patterns, and so depending on the wind direction, now you can hunt either side. Uh, depending on the wind, you know, you can hunt bedding on one side, and if the wind flips, you can go and hunt bedding on the other side. And because it, it looks like he's kind of pulling those deer towards that road, and so it's it's a kind of a the same movement pattern, but in the opposite directions. So it, depending on the wind direction, you still have great stand locations, so you have a lot of different options.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So let's, let's zoom in on this property just a bit more and mm-hmm. to take a few more, a uh, few more stabs at what we've got going on here. Maybe introduce to us what you started with when it comes to uh, when it comes to food.
0: Yeah. So what we did and uh, what I'll do is kind of Pull my mouse down so we can see what the elevation looks like. As you can see, it's two great big hilltops. So just to touch on what Jake said there, that was the beautiful thing about this property is that you can hunt it on two completely different winds. And it's it's basically like having two different 60 acre parcels that you can hunt on westerly or easterly winds. And with that being said, we focused a lot of the the bedding towards the top. But the, the food opportunity came towards the bottom, the lower elevation down by this road. And there was a little bit of a delay on the equipment and everything coming in this year to put all of this food in because collectively it was it's going to end up being close to that, uh, that 15 acre mark. So there's going to be quite a bit of food on here, but we didn't get all of it in this year. The only thing that we were able to plant was this back section, which ended up being just over three acres collectively. And that was just a really good... Uh, like a clover mix, you know, it, it provided good, good browsing material that would actually make the deer want to start using these bedding areas. And then what our plan is from there is to start to add in corn in the lower part of where this big hay field is. We're going to keep the front part hay. Uh, he's going to let the farmer keep that And then moving along to the other side of the road, we have a couple more hay fields that we're gonna kinda try to develop a little bit. This is going to be a kill plot opportunity down here tucked in it's a it's actually a really cool spot this is one of my favorite places on the entire property because you can walk out right from the back of the barn and cross this little creek and there's a great big white pine here that allows you to have a very nice setup over this tucked away plot he actually did get to plant this this year as well and uh implemented this travel corridor and there's just a very strong flow of travel coming right down to this kill plot so he's already seeing the results in this this little one over here and then uh, just moving up to this last one we're trying to focus on a trail plot through the middle of a corn bean rotation we're going to start with corn and have a trail plot with clover running through it to kind of induce that travel down through the property and hopefully ideally kind of lead them down more into this bottom because that's where the better stand setups are just from an access perspective gotcha
2: gotcha so with this property obviously you were talking about food kind of being a a a big key for what you guys were hoping to accomplish and what was going to begin to benefit this this landowner pretty quickly. Last time we did a property breakdown, there was one key feature that was kind of the stand on the property. And it didn't matter how you wanted to design the rest of the property, that was the spot that you needed to be in and the spot that you kind of needed to to design around. Did this property have one of those that really just jumped out and grabbed you and said, "Greg"? You've got to design around this key feature because it's so strong.
0: You know, honestly, this one didn't really have any kind of key feature like that. Um, But what it did have was a lot of really good individual opportunities to focus on certain stand locations at certain times of the year and the one that sticks out into my head the most is going to be this one in this upper corner Um, you'll see here i have this marked uh, this gray line which we typically mark as our blocker and sorry I, i should say gray rectangle is typically like a blocker feature where we're really trying to reduce deer movement one place and make it happen somewhere else with our yellow travel corridors this was actually a historic rock wall that stood about three foot tall it's been there for over a hundred years and uh, it's like the old property boundary is what it actually was and right where that rock wall ends coming off the top of this hill this hilltop on the neighboring property is a great big thicket which has a lot of bedding you'll see here i marked it lots of running activity he's he sees and hears a lot of chasing going on in this hilltop and Mm -hmm. he actually has permission to hunt that piece but what our goal is is to kind of leave that be and let it let them do their thing up there and try to pull them down into the property So what we really focused on doing was developing this corridor right at the base of this rock wall. And then we added in a really nice uh, mock scrape right here. Um, You'll also see these white lines. These white lines are old maintenance logging roads getting into the property. There's been people, pulling trees off the land for the last 10 or 15 years just for firewood purposes. So there's these old ATV trails through the property that we're now developing into corridors. So that's why it's just a different color. But you'll see here, we kind of developed this to have Uh, intersection of deer travel where we're pulling them into the property they can come down this whole atv trail and then we're kind of giving them that opportunity to either go side hill or directly down to the food and then vice versa if they want to work up the hill the, the only thing that was semi-challenging with, with this stand location is it is quite intrusive getting into the, the part of the property because this is a fairly open hillside with mature timber, but coming up that edge, keeping keeping close to that rock wall, you can stay pretty secure and you hunt right below the anticipated deer travel there. And that was one of the, the better spots that I seen as like a pre-rut into the rut opportunity, uh, just getting those deer coming from where they're already spending a lot of time naturally.
2: Right. Right. Were you doing anything? I know, obviously this looks like it could be, you know, this time of year, you could be spotted all the way up this hillside and it may be a lot thicker than, than what I'm thinking. Were you doing anything to try to shield some of that? I know you said kind of hanging to the one side, um, are you gonna do any work on that hillside eventually, or I see some bedding up there actually at the top? So,
0: uh, yep at the at the very top we're we're putting in some bedding pockets there, and then we're actually gonna focus on developing because you'll see on both sides of the property here, uh, when you get on closer to the edge of the hill, there's really not a ton there, and that's what we're really going to dive into this year. Uh, like I said, you know, the main goal was to bring that food back and try to focus on the immediate opportunities, and then when I head back to the property this year. We're going to try to see how the deer reacted to those big changes we made with the food to see what makes the most sense for developing the interior parts of these hills.
2: Right, right. Here's a question, you know, not just for Greg, but kind of for everybody. As we're implementing these things, you know, sometimes there are, you know, you you start throwing food onto a property that hasn't had quality food. The deer begin to do things that, maybe you didn't anticipate, maybe they begin to come from places you didn't expect them to come from, or they begin to use the landscape in just a little bit different way. Um, how often are you go, coming back in and you're taking a staged approach of saying, okay, step one, we've got to get the food in here, and then we're going to step back and see how do these deer respond to it, and then how do we need to tweak the plan, change the plan in order to capitalize on that? How often is that happening for you guys? <laughs>
3: I'll jump in there and just add a couple comments, and I think it pertains to uh, what Greg's showing on his plan here. Greg, that eastern field that you have there behind the hay, hay field where you added food, my eyes kind of drift to that and think about how patterns may develop and or change around that thing. Um, and specifically, so you show those orange bedding areas, and, you know, you have inherently they're kind of two inside corners that do go onto the neighbor's property i think it's going to be interesting to see if deer would start uh, being tight to those corners or if they're blasting and blowing right into the food on those ends seeing how those travel patterns develop over the course of time and how you might adjust your edge feathering your bedding um you know with all the features around that plot to dictate the travel you want in and out you might find that you end up tweaking a stand on those corners there. There may be a little bit better pattern where you want to adjust where that that tree stand goes. And I think that's it goes to the point we have with any plan is that it's constantly a work in progress to see how these things tweak and move over time. And we're reviewing those with our clients and reacting to them and making adjustments because it's not a static state of affairs where everything is always the same. The habitat's developing. It's changing. The food comes and goes. There's, there are changes on the neighbor's property as well um, that, that maybe impact what you're doing uh, and, and how those deer are reacting.
2: Right, right
0: yeah i agree with that um like the the big thing i want to point on with that too is how i really take that into account with pretty much every single plan uh and that's where the prioritized work list comes in on the back end with that report and i'm very diligent about letting them know, you know, when we go through, if we have steps one to 10 of what we need to do here, we might get to step four and have to take a pause because things have completely changed on the property. And instead of going through with steps five through 10, let's just take that step back and see if what we need to adjust to kind of move forward. Because this plan is great in theory, if you could just go copy paste and plant it on all in the next day. And then it's like, you're coming into that next season with this brand new property. But as we've touched on, that's not the reality, you know, it's a lot of work to put it in. And if you only get 30% of the plan done the first year, that can completely change the habits and maybe exactly like what Sam said, it doesn't really make the most sense to have these stands or these corridors in those exact spots. So let's make those micro adjustments. Right, right.
3: Josh,
5: one one of the biggest things, you know, you were talking about the food changing, you know, deer habitats or not deer habitat, but the deer movement and travel through your property. Like one of the biggest things I see with, with former clients, notice how Greg put intrusive in this stand over here to the, to the East. And um, that's very important. Uh, And we highlight these intrusive stands and we, and we coach our clients on when to go in there because deer travel patterns will significantly change over the years when, your hunters are educated on when to go in here and when not to because more than likely the hunters have previously been storming into these intrusive areas because they do have a lot of sign they do look great uh the deer travel significantly inc- changes based on our clients new approach to that farm combined with those habitat improvements there is a usually a significant shift in their behavior and their travel patterns, because you're no longer making these intrusive, you know, pushes into the core of your property until it's right, until that seasonal opportunity zone is there. That's when you go in. So the deer travel significantly changes when you combine those two, you know, the fundamentals of how you approach your property, plus the habitat changes with, you know, food, bedding, uh, it's, so it's, it's a significant change right. for the good.
2: Yep, absolutely. And j- just on that point, I've got to not tooting my own horn here, but, but it's just, it, it goes to show, it's a good, it's a good demonstration of exactly what you're talking about, Lee. Uh, I have a client with a property, uh, who, the property presents very difficult access. It's in the mountains, um, very, very tough to access in a way and stay away from deer movement. But there's one spot in particular that has been one of their main hubs of hunting for the last 30 years that they've owned this property. And one of the first things that I worked with him on is to say, you've got to stay out of there. It's too intrusive. You've got to leave that spot alone until the time is right. He called me last week. He said, Josh, I've got a Southeast wind. Just wanted to know, do you think now's the time? I said, absolutely. Tomorrow morning's the morning. Get in there, be intrusive. He went in there and shot a nice buck one of the biggest bucks he's ever killed on this property in 30 years. And awesome. all of that goes to show it, it's, not, it, it's not anything to do necessarily with, with something I've done, except for the fact of changing the way that he hunts his property. You know, now, yeah, we've got better food and better cover and all that good stuff going on in there. But, um, you know, just staying out of some of those more intrusive areas. But, Greg, looking back at your plan, will you kick it kind of where I'm looking from west to east? back up the hill a little bit.
0: Yeah, you want me to uh, just like turn it.
2: Yep, turn it that way and then zoom in on that eastern side of the property. I want to look from from downhill up because okay. I want to highlight something that you've got going on here. Zoom in just a little bit more. There you go. I want to highlight something you've got going on there. So you've got the food and you've got your orange bedding pockets. About how far do you have those off of your food there?
0: So those are kind of spread out. The closest one is actually about um like around 30, 35 yards out to about 100. Now the thing about those, which is so, uh, y- what's interesting is that this was one of the main areas that people have came on and taken firewood off of the property historically. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the trees ended up getting uh, cut down and left there. And what it did is it developed a beautiful bedding area and they didn't even know they were making a bedding area. So we already had this really great template for dough bedding throughout here. And then once we brought in that food and touched up this a little bit to make it a little bit more appealing, healing for those does, they just funneled right in and they were seeing deer out here every single night there's there's doe families young bucks are interacting out in the field you know they're sparring with each other throughout the season everything like that had a couple really nice buck sightings uh, up to now in the season so it, it definitely worked but yeah they're they're about that 35 to 100 yard range back to the to the back there right.
3: i'll jump in there and say just just one more thing to add i think with those bedding areas is the separation between them is important and I think that's just a, a good concept to hold on to with the um, doe bedding areas having some separation, not being one large continuous area, uh, kind of keeps those groups separated and allows you to stack more deer in there. The other thing we didn't mention uh, was edge feathering, which is kind of that mustard color we're showing on the edge there, um, which tr- is, allows for that transition between the field and the timber. Um, it also creates bedding. Uh, especially if you incorporate warm season grasses or just have other um, regeneration coming up in there you're going to have some bedding right on the edge of your food
2: right yeah absolutely and that's and that's one of the things we want to do is pull some of that dough bedding up towards that food so that we're creating space in the back for uh for more deer for for bucks in particular but but in general for more deer and that's where um i see there here in the south one of the challenging uh, I guess things that we have to deal with is is pine operations and people doing logging and that kind of thing on large scale. So, you end up with a 30-acre bedding area. And, yeah, it's a very large area, but I think those areas probably hold fewer deer than they possibly could if it was well-managed and pockets of, of bedding opportunity. Uh, before we zoom up the hill here, Greg, what's this mm-hmm. lime green you've got around the corner? I see the red line going up there meaning hunter access for us. Hunter, hunter opportunities are going to be in red. So whether that's access or it's going to be a stand. But what's that lime green? Maybe go just go into that just a little bit.
0: Yep. So that's going to be. Uh eventually going to be a screen cover uh, for that hunter access with the open field around it. Um, That's what we're going to do here. And then on the edge of the corn as well, just a couple, a couple different methods of planting. Uh, That was one of the things that we didn't get to yet this year. Um, Like I said, with the, with getting the equipment late, he was really only able to get to this back portion. So that's not a part of it uh quite yet but yeah that's just going to be a screen cover for that hunter access and that's why we have the the line right up the middle because he'll be able to just slip right in and uh we plan on putting in a a blind over in this corner and then a tree stand up on this side so that way he can get right up to the edge of the woods and and uh stay undetected
2: excellent excellent all right let's zoom in just a little bit more on that bedding i want to i want to kind of work our way up the hill uh, away from the food and into those smaller dots. Tell me what you have going on there. There are small orange dots. They're kind of tucked into the, the higher elevation stuff.
0: Yep. So what that is going to be then are going to be like isolate, isolated buck bedding areas. Um, so the goal with developing this dough bedding here really close to the food, uh, and this is something that Jake actually touched on, and it was a really good point in one of our recent YouTube videos, was about how when you bring that doe bedding so close to the food, you're opening up buck bedding in places that doe is bedded historically, and that's what we have up on this hillside up towards the top. Uh, there's a lot of nice pines that hold a very good thermal cover so it stays warm uh, underneath them later on in the in the fall. And then they can kind of sit up here because this is a very steep slope and they can basically overlook everything that's going on down here at the bottom of the ridge and they can get a good eye on these doe families and what exactly they're doing when they're getting up. And that's another one of my favorite things is I I like to try to encourage bucks to bed above does and elevation because when they can kind of keep those does in between them and the food and they can see what's going on, I feel like instinctively it's that security blanket where if they get spooked and they split out of here, they know that they're not coming down this hill at night. So if we have that opportunity for those bucks to bed there and we're on that, this well-tuned habitat, those does are going to freely enter into the field night after night after night. And that's going to have, you know, Mr. Big up here, that's eventually going to work his way down to one of these exterior stand locations on the edge of the food. And that's why with this, this whole area is kind of left, left alone, because this is probably the, the best opportunity for potential buck bedding inside the property lines.
2: Right, right. Um, guys, I'm going to have Greg move up the hill here, but before I do, I want to stop and see if anybody else has questions or comments. Uh, about the design so far
5: the only other lines y'all haven't really covered are these circles which those are shooting radiuses i'm assuming right greg
0: Yes, that, the red ones around the stand. Yep. So you'll see here, like this one is tighter because this is a tree stand designed for bow setup. And then this one down here is that gun blind and uh, shotgun area. So there, it's like a 50 and then 100 yard circle is basically what we have. But just to kind of give an idea in reference of where that actual blind and stand location should be. And this is something I consult with the landowner beforehand when I'm planning out these setups. One of the biggest, most important questions I ask, especially for bow hunters is, you know, like, what's that sweet spot that you like your setups at? Because let's design the corridors and the scrapes and everything like that right in your range. You know, if you have the choice to shoot 22 yards and that's your favorite distance to shoot, let's try to get your setup so that way you're shooting where you want to the in all of your spots.
2: Yeah, very good. Very good. All right. Let's work up the hill just a little bit here. Yep. And take a peek at the food. That's kind of in the back. Maybe, maybe yeah. swap it around here and look at that from the east, looking back towards the west.
0: Yep. So this is a, this is interesting back here. This, this food has not been installed onto the property yet. Um, this is going to take some development cause it's up at the top of that hill and we're working on, uh, Figuring out how exactly we're going to get the equipment up, we we're going to get some access from a neighboring property to get up here, so that's going to be a this year project. So once this food is in, this will this will develop a lot better. But what this top is is that it's just open open timber, not many mature trees at the top of the hill, so there's already a good open opportunity to bring in some food up here and then develop some bedding around it. Uh, and then what our game plan is for the the main best spots. There's actually a dead end road on this side of the property as well. And so there doesn't get a lot of traffic, but he's able to come and park down in back here and walk his way into the property. And what I really love about this area of the property is this is one of those old uh, logging roads that run right along the back. And our, our plan of attack here, once we do have this food up on the top, this is going to be a really good travel corridor for those bucks to cruise underneath an elevation of the does up on top of the ridge as they're feeding so when they're skirting that scent checking the food or this bedding area he's got two roadside very low intrusion stand locations that are really going to be prime setups for him uh, because this works is like a flat bench right along here as well so we're going to develop this old maintenance road into a strong travel corridor and then it'll allow those bucks to scent check the dough feed and bed up on top of the ridge
2: Man, i really really like that i I was not aware that that was a road down there in the bottom
0: yeah i didn't i didn't get a chance to actually mention that but yeah that there's it's like takes you back to another house it's like a dead end dead end road that he's able to come in and you know we're just going to park way down here out of sight and out of mind super easy quiet access up the road and then boom right into the property i love that
3: Two things that I was picking up on there, Greg, that I just wanted to draw everybody's attention to is really understanding all options of access and utilizing them. That little dead end road, even if it touched the property at a corner, or you know, if there was a sliver of neighboring land, but he had permission to cross it, get an easement across twenty feet of of that property to get to his land, that sort of thing. Always looking for those. Uh, The other is your food plot, Um, if you move that orientation so that it's north at the top of the screen again um, you'll realize what we have going on here is generally north-south orientation on the food plots which um, in timber settings when you're trying to create these long narrow food plots one of the things you can struggle with is getting enough daylight to them and by making it orient north-south you are maximizing the amount of quality daylight that you're getting onto those plots. And I just, I want to applaud that. I thought that was a really good move and how you've set that up there because those plots are going to be a lot more successful uh, in having that. The other thing to bring in as an opportunity as you develop this further on down the road is uh, edge feathering on those edges can give not just some of the qualities we talked about before, but also help with that daylight getting daylight down to those plots
2: right yeah that's really good kind of a stair step um from the taller timber down into a a smoother edge which is going to allow more sunlight to to get down to the ground greg i wanted to point out too now here in the south we have really long gun seasons one of the one of the things that we do a lot of is kind of the the hub and spoke almost kind of setup when it comes to a food plot it'll look like a turkey foot Maybe it'll, maybe it'll look like a hand where there are several lanes jutting out, and one of my favorite things to do is to put bedding inside of those lanes, in between those lanes, and you get a lot of, you know, just all-day movement where does will go bed in between the lanes and then next thing you know, they pop out and they'll eat for an hour at 10 o'clock and then they go back in, they pop out and eat for an hour or 30 minutes at 2 o'clock and they go back in. I see your bedding right there in the, in the middle, I think that's a good use of that space. Um, you said this one has not yet been installed. Is that correct?
0: Yep, yeah, that's correct. Uh, you'll see here down in in the south part of the property line. This access is coming from this exterior edge on the hilltop. He has permission to come in from this property uh, to the south, okay. and that's how we're going to eventually bring in, uh, bring in the equipment so we can get this planted this year. is the, Is the game plan? But yeah, it hasn't been put into place yet. But I think that once it is, you know, this is just going to add a completely another element to the property, and that's kind of like what my thought process was with putting this bedding in between this kind of uh, this kind of food plot here in this U shape. Is that? I have a very strong belief that this bench travel on the lower elevation below all of this consistent doe activity is going to be an area where there's a lot of buck traffic through the property. And then we're kind of curling it up to try to influence them to stay on on our piece and not exit it. You know, we're trying to influence that. But I think this bench is going to have some really good opportunities for us once this food food is in, in place.
2: Yeah, I, I love those stand sites that we're able to design where the access almost seems too simple Mm -hmm. you know you feel like you you need to be hunting deeper into the timber to have a great hunt but there's such good opportunities yeah there against the road i mean i just i love those spots i almost feel guilty when i hunt those spots though
0: yeah and that's uh you know it. <laughs> yeah right and that's like one of the things that i feel like i was able to take a lot of the experiences from my years of hunting public land growing up onto these private land designs and it's exactly stuff like that like when i'm out on public land i'm looking for those overlooked spots that guys aren't thinking about well the the average landowner isn't going to think about setting up a spot you know 50 100 yards off the road on the first flat bench area of the hillside that's just something like they want to go and hunt the meat and potatoes of their property they don't want to worry about hunting right on the edge that's not very fun but like if it works you know why why not take advantage of it and then as we've touched on a few times what it does is it leaves the core of your property alone and it allows the deer to be deer inside your property walls and they're going to just get more and more comfortable as time goes on
2: yep absolutely and I, i do just want to point out last thing for me uh, is the, the barricade kind of things you've got, I see a lot of gray going on here. Um, how are you creating those on this specific property? I know that looks different anywhere you go, um, but, but what do you have in mind for him creating here?
0: Yeah, so the the main method for that is just going to be doing some hinge cutting, dropping some trees down, and then uh, any kind of like brush or any type of clearing we do as we develop these travel corridors, because those are going to be all different shapes and sizes. Um, there's So there's going to be like a lot of limbs that are taken off, things like that. So between that and the hinge cutting, we're really just going to kind of create like these bumper blocker type things to try to influence that travel, like I said, inside of the property walls and only give them a couple opportunities if they want to leave the property, because we really should have enough ground here to get the deer to spend a lot of time on the property, bedding, feeding, and then just moving throughout in general to hopefully turn it into a place where they don't feel like they have to leave because of our low intrusive stand setups and all of the quality stuff on the interior parts.
2: Very good, very good. All right, guys, anything else for this design? Greg, well done. Um, yep. Any other questions or uh, comments? I'll,
4: I'll just, I was just gonna mention that same thing that you did, Josh. I really like the the barricades and how he has some of those stands bunning butt, up right to the end of them. Just, just for a few mm-hmm. reasons. One, like Greg said, it really uh, pinches down that deer movement. So I'm sure like with that stand number one right off the that road there, he says it's coming down that hill, that logging road. Uh, is, Acts like a bench, and those deer follow that bench. And he has that uh, blockade pushing right to the other side of it. So one, they can't get downwind of them, and two, anything that was going to try to get downwind of them is going to cut right in front of that stand location. Now, increasing opportunities there, um, and then where he has those barricades along the property line to ha- maybe help with hunter access or you know, uh, stop the deer from leaving. You know, down in the future, you might see that that's going to create more stand opportunities because that's going to pinch deer movement as they're coming on and off the property because you just you cut down where they can leave now so then in Mm -hmm. in, you know I'm sure like as Greg knows like in big woods like this deer are going to travel a long ways so they you know there was like the Lee Romer buck when he comes in now he has a limited number of ways to come in and so that that could really uh set up or open up some opportunities right on the property line next to those barricades
2: all right everybody well thanks for sharing this plan greg i really appreciate that guys thanks for tuning in thanks for watching if you're watching this on youtube if you just listen to it do go check it out on youtube you're going to learn a lot more if you can actually watch the video and see what it is that we're talking about but uh hey i think we're going to be doing a lot more of these so guys stay tuned and uh yeah Keep in touch with everything we're doing there on YouTube. we got a lot more exciting content to come. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you found this helpful, do us a favor and leave us a review wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram at whitetail underscore partners, on Facebook, whitetail Partners LLC, on YouTube by simply searching whitetail Partners, or online at whitetailpartners.com.